Incoming transmission. The Klingon word of the day is heck. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. So, this is a huge victory for the good guys. Scotty, beam me up. Resistance is futile. Live long and prosper. And welcome to the Computer Resume Podcast, the show covering the entire Star Trek franchise in chronological order for fans new and old. I'm your host, writer-comedian, Mr. Todd A. Davis. Making her second appearance on Computer Resume Podcast, she's not a friend of the show, she's family. Burning the candle at both ends and the middle in Los Angeles, California. It's Bonnie Gordon! Yay! Bonnie. <laughs> that's me hey everybody <laughs> how are you gosh uh, i'm doing okay just um uh, surviving <laughs> surviving yeah. it's already 2023 and the month is already almost over and i'm kind of like wait a minute i guess it is technically kind of over but it i don't know it, i feel like everything's moving too fast yeah yeah it's you know same here we've just been uh plowing away uh here we are uh yeah towards the end of january and it's just one thing after another, it's all I can do to stay caught up. Uh, you have the extra, and I'll pull the curtain back just a little bit. There was an earthquake last night where you Yes, were at. <laughs> yes. It wasn't, it, you know, it's like, it wasn't crazy. I mean, usually I can just sleep through them. For some reason, I woke up with this one and it was fine. There was nothing, you know, no damage or anything. I was like, oh, an earthquake. Then I tried to go back to sleep and then my brain just wouldn't let me because it was oh. like, look at all the things you have to do tomorrow. And I'm like, wait, brain, it's two in the morning, please. <laughs> oh, no. So, but that's okay. I'm used to it. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I've never, I've never been in an earthquake before. But uh, I am actually making my first trip out to LA uh, in, in a couple of weeks. So I, I don't know. <laughs> Honestly, they happen all the time, and I never feel them. I, I, I literally just thought my cat jumped on my bed. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, Yappa, Yappa, like gained some weight or something. You know, like I was just oh, like, oh, what funny. was that? And then all of a sudden I realized, oh no, no, that everything is shaking. And then I was like, okay, I'm good. Oh wow. Yeah, well, you um, barely feel it. Well, uh, first of all, uh, again, because you are so busy, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for carving out the time to come back on the show and talk sure. Star Trek with us. Um, really quick, Prodigy uh season one is in the can. It's so, so good. It's oh my so gosh. good. I mean, honestly, wait till season two. Uh, really? You know, usually they say, like, second seasons never hype up to the first. And I'm like, nah, this one will. This one will, for sure. Oh, so excited. The Hageman brothers are just so good at assembling a team. I mean, honestly, they're like Nick Fury assembling the Avengers. Like, the, the, <laughs> getting the amazing directors, the writer's room, the animation team. Like, it, it all just kind of comes together and... I feel like this show, I, I can't be prouder of being on a show like this, yeah. or I can't be more proud. Whatever is gra grammatically correct, that's what I am. <laughs> um, please excuse my no sleep mush brain. But yeah, this, I. This is a safe place. Uh, safe place. Yeah. A safe space. <laughs> Yay. No, but I feel like um, this show, it's not just Star Trek. It's like, it's so, it's so special. Mm. Um, and the fact that I've gotten to be a part of it, like from the beginning, like, before they even had like their main cast set. And I, you know, I was doing scratch 
before they even had like who they before they even knew who Gwen was going to be. Yeah. Um, so like I was a part of I was a part of the team pretty early on. Um, and because I was a Trekkie too, um, I think Kevin and Dan loved just being like, okay, now look at this. Now look at this concept art. Now see that you know like they were showing me things that really honestly someone coming in to do scratch voices for you know, a cartoon or whatever would probably not have access to. Right. And I got to see so much and hear so much of what was to come because I think they were so excited to see me so excited. Oh yeah. It's, and you can tell, yeah, that excitement, you know, especially when you find someone else who who's into the thing that you're into mm -hmm. is uh, it's infectious and it just, it grows exponentially. I, uh, I would hit refresh in my inbox because waiting for a new script because I wanted to know what was <laughs> happening next. I was like, what am I recording again? They have to send me something to anything, just an outline. I don't know. Well, I mean, uh, so, you know, folks know you do uh, the voice of the USS Protostar, but it, here in the... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but here you actually, um, you got, uh, a, a character, um, a real, uh, a real life person. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, well I've done, I mean, if you, if you pay attention to the credits, I've done little yeah. characters throughout, like very small, like mostly Starfleet officer number two, or, you know, right, right. uh, Romulan number seven, you know, like it's mostly like, you know, <clears throat> you know, grunts are like, Oh no. You know, like, like random, yeah. Voila in the background when stuff is happening. But uh, yeah, this was amazing uh, doing that scene as the uh, Bernari ensign with mm -hmm. Janeway. Mm -hmm. um, I remember reading it and I was crossing all my fingers and toes. I was like, oh, I really hope they keep my voice in for this character. It was just such a really touching scene. And I was under the impression that the scene got cut. So I was like, oh, that's such a shame. It was such a really cool Easter egg. Maybe it didn't work within the time frame of what they were trying to do but um i was misunderstood i was misunderstood it, it, the scene did get cut meaning shorter for time but oh. this the actual scene itself was not cut from the show so i was like so excited when i was i mean i was watching it with everyone else when it came out on paramount plus oh and so i was great. like wait a minute i'm in it so <laughs> yeah i, I hope they bring her I... I hope they bring her back i mean she did she did risk being cart marshal uh, uh court marshaled for yeah. Janeway. So I yeah. feel like she deserves I feel like she deserves her own spin-off show. Um <laughs> yeah. put that in the uh let's put that in the ether. Well because I, I thought I heard the voice when as the as I was watching it and then um yeah I paused the credits at the end just to double check and make sure I was like <laughs> you got I, I I did like a little fist pump. I was like that's so great. <laughs> it made me laugh because when I was listening, you know, watching the show and listening, I was like, I didn't I knew uh, Ella Purnell and I sounded similar, especially when she does an American accent, because we mm. both have pretty low textured voices. Yeah. But watching the show, I was like, we sound so much like, I was like, people are going to think this is the Gwen, <laughs> the Gwen <laughs> voice actress, because like, we sound so similar. I was like, wow, I had to even like double check. I'm like, did they re-record me? And then I was like, no, 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 that's my voice. I did like rewind it and watch it again. Nice. Yeah, uh, go, going back to something you said a few minutes ago about, mm -hmm. uh, you know, when you find someone else that's interested in the thing that you're interested in, uh, you know, the ex excitement grows exponentially. One of the things I don't think I got much of a chance to talk with you about last time you were on, but something I've definitely delved into in the last year is D&D. &D. Um, Welcome. Yeah. Welcome yeah. to the... Here's, um, here's, here's or as, Back in the 80s, like, the, you know, what is it, the... Satanic panic. <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh. Well, 
living in South Carolina, trust me. Like my parents were preaching at me long before I even picked up a dice. Okay, uh, honey, I'm from Louisiana. Oh, that's We're right. Yeah. Southern Baptist and, and Catholic. <laughs> one of on us. On either side. So, ooh, but, um, yeah. Are you still, are you, do you still get a chance to play much? Oh, I mean, it's funny. Most all of the D&D that I have played is always via a, a Twitch stream for really? like either work or like a charity one shot or, you know, something it's always, it's, it's always people watching and it, and it being almost like a, I just say like a job or like uh, the D and D in a castle event, which I love out in the UK. But yeah. like, I, it, I, the more I think about it, the more I'm like, I don't think I've been a part of like an actual D and D campaign just for fun. I don't want to say ever, but it's like, it's almost that point. Well, it's yeah, almost, it's almost at that point because all of my playing has been through channels like Geek and Sundry and, and yeah. Hyper RPG and and guesting on different, um, you know, Wizards of the Coast Twitch one shots for charity with Luke Gygax and stuff like that to where I'm like, that's what my D&D life is. And, you know, when people are like, oh, my campaign, you know, we finished, we had like an intense session last night. Da, da, da. I was like, oh, where can I watch it? And they're like, what? What? It was like, it was at my friend's house. Like we were all, I'm like, oh yeah, I forget that people just play. People just play it. <laughs> and you can't find it on a Twitch stream anymore. Like I'm, I, I'm pretty bad about that. So yeah, no, I mean, it, it's, it makes me laugh thinking that most of the dice I've rolled, people have seen, but ah. um, I'm okay with that, you know, because for me, I work best when under pressure. So I'm pretty sure I probably came up with the best character bits while being watched by people as, uh, as lark like, sage was your was your character in, in the in the star trek game for star trek adventures lark yeah, sage yeah. and then we did another one um through covid called clear skies where i was dr mccrell a cation chief medical officer nice. which then lower decks came out with their medical officer who was Cation. I was like, okay, first Lark Sage is basically <laughs> Ensign Tilly. And now my my other character is this one. I swear I'm not like getting information leaked to me. I just <laughs> apparently have the same brain as I'm uh I'm playing uh through Star Trek Adventures on Cosmic Crit. That's another fun a, another show that's out there. And I'm uh I'm an Andorian Andorian security chief um i modeled the uh the physical characteristics after john cena so i'm a so i'm a big meat-headed just run in there try to kill everything <laughs> amazing i'm yeah, actually about to start another one in a few weeks that i was be gonna ask yeah i saw Twitch, that Star Trek adventures yeah I, I our characters aren't revealed yet i don't think so i don't um... want to say anything about my character but Maybe I'll do. Maybe I'll tell you off the air. Wait, okay. All right. We'll, we'll but I'm so excited for after show for the Patreon folks. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, you don't want you don't want the brothers or anybody else stealing another one of your characters. And <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, in there and all of um, all of Star Trek's defense, like while we were while we were doing Shield of Tomorrow, they were shooting Discovery. It's not like they were stealing any ideas or anything it just right, happens. Right. our characters are similar with lark sage and instant tilly and then you know lower decks it's animation they were they were working on lower decks yeah like way before i came up with dr mccrell and my character was very different in the sense that dr mccrell was actually half kazenti that was my like little secret that i sat on for so long Ooh. most people don't know the kazenti race they're yeah. starting to make a comeback they're they were 
There's a character in Lower Decks who's a Kazinti, actually, which I was like, oh, my God, they joined the Federation. It's amazing. Okay, cool. I, yeah, because that that doesn't uh, it doesn't ring a bell. But uh... they were they were featured in the animated series and the novel, the novels a bit. So, excuse me while I pick up my um, my nerd card here. No, um, yeah. Actually, Kazinti. Uh, <laughs> Like, you know how you think of Romulans as, like, the evil cousins of the Vul the Vulcans? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kizinti are, like, the evil cousins of the Cations. They're they're still, they're cat-like creatures, but they're a lot oh, okay. more feral and, like, wild and, and aggressive. And, like, they're, like, Klingon cats. And they're, like... Oh, that's fun. But they have a, a tele... There's certain Kizinti that have telepathic abilities. And yeah. my character uh, had that. But when you use it, it hurts both yourself and the person. And, oh, this is a really cool fact about Gazintis. They do not, they are very oppressive towards their female, um, the female, like they consider females to be less than, and they like, if, if a female is considered too intelligent, they like kill them. Interesting. Um, they're, they're basically used for like breeding and, oh, wow. you know, whatever. It's, it's, it's kind of, it's very horrible. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. But my, <laughs> my character like escaped that fate, obviously. And she's extremely intelligent. She's a, you know. Yeah. Chief wow. medical officer, you know, she, she, so she, she keeps that part of herself very secret and it came out. I, I'm notorious for when I play games for having a character that has a deep, like a, a crazy secret that I will keep secret for the long haul in a, in a yes. campaign and then yes. drop it at the very end. And most of my players hate me for it, but at the same time, they secretly love it. I hope. I, uh, I was recently, cause I'm the DM for our, for our group um but my wife is playing so i come up with the, all these things and she'll hear me oh, and she's like what and i was like oh i just figured out something for the game she's like what is it i was like i, I can't, can't say. tell you exactly <laughs> can't tell you. the only person that knew a lot of my secrets was um the dm obviously because they helped right. me put the east the the, the breadcrumbs throughout yeah. like like in shield of tomorrow lark sage she was never supposed to be even on that ship she pretty much hacked her way into security got all nice. the shit yeah so she was cool. and that and that her she she was an orphan orphaned bajoran and she later found out that her parents were still alive and in the the maquis and like i mean it was like i kept so many cool secrets from the other players for so long i think that's a that's a really good part of like building a character for that is to is to give them a secret and oh man yeah it, it and just the fact that i gave dr mccrell kazinti like heritage i was just i know i was just like nobody knows the kazinti i was like oh i'm dropping this i'm dropping this bomb hard <laughs> everybody's gotta go wikipedia <laughs> oh yeah yeah don't think i'm not getting on wikipedia after this yeah uh, yeah uh so you mentioned uh you mentioned star trek discovery which we are uh discussing today uh yes. this this is um right here at the uh at the beginning kind of we're we're, we're we're just past the prologue i feel we're like just we're scratching just scratching the surface the, yeah. i feel like the first two episodes were just like the we're, we're almost like a two-parter pilot of, yeah here's all the exposition you need and then Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. What, what were your initial thoughts about Star Trek Discovery being being a big Trek fan? And, uh, you know, of course, now we're getting ready for season five and mm -hmm. the whole thing. But, you know, what were those initial impressions when the when the show first dropped? When it first dropped, honestly, you know how so many fans get angry about certain things with the new Trek and this and that. And honestly, yeah. I was just excited that we were having 
that we were getting new Star Trek at all. I was like, this is why we can't have nice things. Don't complain. They'll stop yes. making it. You know, <laughs> I, I don't, I, I was in panic mode. I, I, I will say at first I was a bit uh, turned off by the Klingons and not like in a sexual way, but you know what I mean? Like right, I, right. I was, uh, I, because the look, we, we, the look is a bit shocking. The look is a bit shocking. Yeah. They felt more orcish than Klingon to me. But once, once I got over that initial shock after like the first couple episodes, uh, they kind of grew on me, and I'm such a fan of Mary Chifo anyway that yeah. I I was like, I, she can do no wrong. So I started to fall in love with him. I also adore Anthony Rep, um, yes. and now consider him a friend. So shout out to him and his yeah. amazing his amazing new baby. He's a daddy now. Yes. But, oh, but... it's it's so fun following these folks, uh, right? you know, social media, and occasionally get photos and glimpses and like. Oh, that's he, so and, great. he and Ken are going to be the best fathers, FYI. But, yeah. you know, with all that being said, I, I love one thing I just adore about Discovery is the the representation of not just of of different race and gender, but like sexual orientation. And just there's just so mm -hmm. much representation that we don't see on any show right now. Um, and. I feel like discovery really pushes the boundaries with making sure that everyone is represented, you know, and, you know, blue is doing fantastic. Ian Alexander, you know, representing the, the trans community and the non-binary community. I just feel mm -hmm. like, I just feel like discovery, there's a place for discovery and, you know, a lot of, some people love it. Some people don't. And that's fine. If you don't like it, then if it's not for you, that's fine, but don't, yeah. don't poo poo on the people who love it. Yeah. I, and that that's one thing, you know, looking at as we kind of deep dive, you know, into all these episodes, that's one thing that's impressed me um, about newer Trek is uh, uh, the diversity and the representation, just like you mentioned, uh, but not only in front of the camera, but behind the camera as well, because we're getting a lot of new faces uh, in mm -hmm. the writer's room. We're getting a lot of new faces uh, in the director's chair and mm -hmm. all of these all of these things. And I feel like it's just we're just opening opening up for more awesome stories uh set in this you know in this uh in this future where it's all good man you know like well, they were so smart honestly you know people at first were upset about them jumping into the future but i'm like think how smart that is now they don't have to worry about any continuity of like making sure the timeline you know yeah. they, because they were so a ship that from so early of the Federation, yeah. like they were going to have to really focus on, um, you know, making sure they were crossing right. all their T's, dotting all their I's, not messing up, you know, having technology before it should be, you know, sure. little things like that. Oh, and yeah. and it kind of it, it kind of limits you to what you can do. Like with with Strange New Worlds, we know those characters already. We know what they have already. So there's yeah. no like there's no worry there. But with yeah. Discovery, they had to be very careful because they're coming in prior you don't want to mess up any canon and now that they're they they've been shot into the future now that it opens up a whole new opportunity to i know a lot of people weren't happy with the whole burn aspect um but it's like now we're getting to see the federation be born again yeah in a whole yeah. new environment and in, in a whole new scenario because i think it would be interesting to see where it goes i, I mean I hope it continues. I hope it continues. Yeah. And I hope all of them continue. I'm, I'm a huge fan of Strange New Worlds. I think it was, yes. I think it's one of the best new Star Trek shows out there. 
Yeah. Uh, obviously, I'm a little biased. I think Prodigy is groundbreaking. And if you haven't mm. watched it and just shrug it off as a kid show, just get through the first like five, six episodes. Just give it a chance. And I swear you're going to get hooked because it's, it's such good Star Trek. It's such good sci-fi. And yeah, especially looking at Prodigy. Yeah, those first few episodes, because I think by the time we talked last year, I think maybe the first five or six were out. Yeah. And it was fun. I was just kind of like, this is it, it was fun. great. Yeah, it's yeah, a lot it's of fun. Cute. And then it gets dark. <sighs> yeah, it's like stuff got dark, stuff got heavy. I'm like, whoa, this is, whoo, this was not initially what was sold to us, but I am, I am here for it. Yeah. <laughs> it was and so it's great. Just, again, just good Star Trek. And yeah. you don't need to know a lot about Star Trek to appreciate it. And you could know everything about Star Trek and appreciate all the Easter eggs that they drop in there. And oh yeah, I yeah, feel absolutely. like um, I'm really hoping it gets picked up for a season three. Like I'm because I know I know the Hageman brothers have like a whole plan for yeah. Prodigy. Like they are so ready for things to continue, and we're just we're just kind of like sitting on pins and needles, going, "Are we? Am <laughs> I? Like, am I still employed?" <laughs> Yeah, you know, something you mentioned about uh, Discovery and, you know, them having to be careful of what they did with canon reminds me of stuff that happened with Enterprise. Uh, They, you know, because it took place um, a couple hundred years before TOS, they had to be Mm -hmm. really careful about, okay, well, Kirk was the first one to see a Romulan, so we can't do the Romulan thing. And then the Ferengi are actually introduced in TNG, so we're going to have Ferengi, but it's not exactly first contact, they're pirates, blah, blah, blah. Um, but, you know, they were really, you know, there in season four, they're really, you know, Manny Cotto took over the reins and, and, you know, they were really trying to make those connections to the, the larger franchise. And of mm-hmm. course, this was long before Discovery. And, you know, it just got cut short. You know, they, they had plans too. Like you were just saying, you know, the, the brothers have plans for Prodigy. There were plans for Enterprise and just... Uh, it breaks my heart that it was going in this such a great direction just got cut short but but anyways uh you know getting back into discovery here yep sorry seeing... i i have adhd so please just keep me back on track by not spraying a... a squirt bottle at me and <laughs> uh, telling me to go back to the path yeah, <laughs> you're in a safe you place to do this <laughs> the path that you have drawn out for me um but yeah with with this particular episode again very early in discovery Mm -hmm. um you know burnham is at a very particular place at this point she's the mutineer and she we see her get uh pushed onto discovery you know through different circumstances and we see her start meeting some characters who are a bit prickly i'll say to her um but you know she gets kind of thrust back into the action um Initial thoughts about this episode, like where Burnham is and, you know, the things that are happening very fast. You know, like you said, 2023, a lot of things have been happening with you very, very quickly. Here, Burnham kind of gets thrust back into the action. It's kind of like, all right, let's, you know, step up to the plate and start swinging, you know. Uh, Mm -hmm. So uh, initial thoughts about Burnham's journey here at the beginning of this episode. I feel like it's a good uh, episode because it introduces so many of the characters. You know, the very first couple episodes you're, we're kind of thrown into all her, like focusing on, you know, with the, with the Klingons and, and this and that and the, the mutiny aspect of it. So this is basically, you know, again, she's been in prison for six months. Now we're jumping forward and we're kind of seeing how she's still processing everything and how everyone kind of alienates her. And mm. no pun intended, <laughs> <Aliens>. yeah. <laughs> but no, it, you, you know, it's showing that 
people really are standoffish around her and like don't they don't know what to to do or say around her because they're like wait she's here she shouldn't be why you know why is she here and again you know there's they're seeing her as a kind of like almost like a, a traitor mm-hmm. beforehand so yeah and we're, we're we're getting introduced to all the different characters that you know we grow to love and i feel like with with this episode episode in particular i remember like with the creatures and this and that i mean it really kind of it solidifies like the spore drive and and what they're trying to do and what they're trying to accomplish with it and you know shows these these creatures i feel like it, it's it's one of those episodes where i probably wouldn't go back and like rewatch it a whole bunch of times because like it wasn't like one that was like yeah but i feel like it's very important to the story because it, it starts the groundwork of putting the foundation of like who these people are what their mission is what their relationship is to each other yeah. and it kind of gives us more of what she's kind of going through too and who she is as a person and yeah. you know you see her in the beginning being in so control of her emotions and throughout discovery she slowly finds her humanity again yeah. uh, with burnham and i yeah. feel like you know she's still at this point very much holding her emotions back and being very one level yeah. and it's really cool to go back and watch the early discovery episodes and seeing the progression of the burnham character and how she again discovers her humanity you know she's trained yeah you know raised with vulcans pretty much she found a way to kind of harness her emotions in a better way mm-hmm. but in doing so she loses a bit of her humanity and i feel like the discovery crew helps her find it again yeah mainly absolutely. her awesome roommate in centilli i'm a, I'm a huge in fan yeah uh, till she's tilly my, she's my uh, girl i yeah i i feel <laughs> mary wiseman uh so great as sylvia tilly uh just, just want to just Oh, just big old just a she she is a big hug like just oh i, I feel love like her so steal, much she steals every scene she's in she really does not, not, yeah. in a, not in an aggressive way either in a very charming like oh you just want to watch her and see yeah. how she's going to react to things i just i love that character so much and you know watching discovery made me go dang it that's what i would have been if i ever was like on a, on a live action star trek like that oh. would be my character so oh. i gotta rethink my my future <laughs> yeah just... of being on camera star trek oh man i gotta uh, put myself well... in prosthetics <laughs> oh insane. yeah yeah uh, it's you know hey some folks on there have done some wonderful things buried in latex <laughs> true true the 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 role of the curvy quirky redhead has been taken i'm gonna have to um dye my hair and slap on a a wrinkly forehead and see where i can go from there hey you know what i i'm i'm here for it you've got my money you absolutely (laughs) (laughs) but yeah uh yeah we see a lot of interesting things and a lot of uh really unique character moments and character growth and character introductions here in this Mm -hmm. episode but before we get too much further let's get to this week's recap brought to you in part by our patreon supporters rev j jerry antimano Cosmic Crit, Kitty B, and David Willett. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. After the start of the Federation Klingon War in 2256, Burnham, having been imprisoned for six months, is on an unexpected prisoner transfer when an emergency forces her space bus to be rescued by the USS Discovery. Whoa, that was close. 
After several days, Burnham is ordered by the mysterious Captain Gabriel Lorca to assist with a scientific assignment. I'm the only one who gives assignments around here. Burnham spends hours poring over a complex computer code to find an error. She overhears Lieutenant Paul Stamets, an astromycologist and the project lead, discuss an upcoming experiment with a colleague serving on another ship. Lorca is soon informed of an incident on the Discovery's sister ship, the USS Glenn, that killed its crew. Stamets leads a boarding party, including Burnham, to investigate and finds the dead crew hideously twisted and malformed, as well as a group of Klingons who were killed by an unknown creature. When the creature attacks the boarding party, Burnham devises a plan to outwit the creature, allowing the rest of the party to escape to the space bus. Later, Lorca asks Burnham to work for him, despite her sentence, explaining that he organized the circumstances that led her to him, as he needs strong-minded people such as her to help him win the war. Yeah, right. Burnham challenges him by saying she won't help him develop a weapon that goes against the Geneva Conventions. Lorca says he admires her and wants her on his team because she knows how to think for herself. He shows her that they are not working on a weapon, but on a revolutionary propulsion method. Universal laws for lackeys. Context is for kings. After their conversation, Lorca talks to his chief of security, Commander Ellen Landry, to ensure his package is safely on board. Uh? Landry has secretly transported the creature from the USS Glenn aboard Discovery. So, yeah, we're seeing a lot of stuff uh, here right at the top, like we just mentioned earlier, that, um, you know, I think one of the first things we see um, is this interesting um, engineer, Paul Stamets, played wonderfully by Anthony Rapp. Um, yeah. You know, we, we showed him some love. Get ready for some more. He is <laughs> he is absolutely so uh, so prickly. I know I've used that word already once <laughs> this episode, but he's just he's got this unique uh, engineering. Uh, he reminds me more of like modern like present day engineers that are kind mm -hmm. of hey, this is my project and it's mine. Stay, you know, and, and everybody else at arm's length. <laughs> Um, but yeah, you know, talk a little bit about um, your thoughts on Burnham being introduced to these new folks and, you know, this uh, being given this really crummy, hey, stare at these lines of code <laughs> assignment. Yeah. And well, uh, I feel like they know. don't they don't fully trust her at all. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, the fact that she's there you know, being, to, you know, they're basically being ordered to include her in this scientific experiment. And they're just like, mm. you know, the last thing they want to do is, is kind of bring her in and trust her with this important information. Because again, in, in Starfleet, you know, you have the rules and regulations that you follow and right. he broke that one of the biggest ones. Mm -hmm. And, you know, everyone's kind of seeing her as like this, this outcast. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I love, in the progression of discovery, seeing them warm up to her and, and finally accepting her. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, this is the first time that this is the first time that she's slowly starting to, I guess, earn their trust. You know, when, when she comes up with the ideas to help um, out with the, the creature and, you know, make sure everyone is safe. Like, you know, it's their first, it's like a first 
breadcrumb of them seeing her true nature and, and slowly starting to realize, oh, maybe we don't know the whole story or maybe we don't know this person as well yeah. as we, think we do. I think we get a great little comedic moment uh, when she walks into uh, engineering again with Sylvia Tilly, <laughs> uh, wonderfully played by Mary Wiseman, uh, who uh, says, uh, we have assigned seats. <laughs> which is <laughs> such a, a it's a fun little thing but it that short little you know phrase conveys a lot going on and then Absolutely. of course she gets that moment with her later of like hey sorry but you know i i feel for you but i'm on this particular track to command and and she doesn't want to screw it up and at this exactly. point she doesn't know she doesn't know the political rank Starfleet game to play and what's safe to do around the mutineer. Right. Like somebody and I else. Mean, it's, yeah. And, and, you know, when you, when you say play the game, it's, it's a perfect way of putting it, you know, she, Burnham becomes the wild card and the variable that none of them know or none of them can trust. And, Again, with Starfleet, you know, if you if you are on a track to be in Starfleet and, you know, take command of your own ship one day and this and that, you know, yeah. having something come in early on that might risk your entire career or your the path that you're on, you know, that's a whole new variable. You know, Burnham basically committed, I, w I wouldn't call it treason. Would, they, would you call it treason? I, I mean, mutiny obviously is. It, yeah, it's mutiny. Like, uh, I don't I don't think she really gathered anybody to her side, which would be um, treasonous. I, it's not that she betrayed. It's not that she betrayed the Federation to the Klingons. She right. just she betrayed from within. So I think that I think that's where the mutiny versus treason exactly. line is. Yeah. But yeah, it's, you know, my words are not coming out as as coherently as I would hope. I'm going to listen back to this podcast and go, my God, Bonnie, next time chug a coffee. <laughs> I'll, I'll fix it in post. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, just just cut and paste to be like, Bonnie said this one sentence. Perfect. We're just going to keep it at that. And all the random pauses and are going, uh, mm, e, hey, you know what? Slightly constipated. We're just going to cut all that out. <laughs> Look, the fans appreciate. But then you have to keep that part in. You have to keep real, my constipation yeah, yeah. in, obviously. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what people are here for. Yep. And we're going to go ahead and clip that. All right. Uh, yep. <laughs> you know, looking at what Burnham does here on Discovery, she comes into the ship and the crew uh, with a lot of baggage. You know, everybody knows her as the mutineer. In fact, Tilly even says, well, the only Michael Burnham, you know, the only woman i know named michael is the mutineer that's not you right <laughs> like and we get another fun uh moment with tilly there but again burnham's coming into this situation with uh baggage and a title of mutineer but through her work proves that uh not only was she was she a good starfleet officer she is a good officer and a good scientist and deserves to be there uh, you know, when it comes to performance artists uh, and performing, uh, I myself as a comedian have had to, you know, hey, first of all, I'm here on time. Second of all, I'm funny. <laughs> I show up and behave professionally. Uh, I'm fun to be around. But you kind of have to build that over time. You yourself uh, as a performance artist have done, I'm sure, probably something similar, if not exactly the same type mm -hmm. of track. 
And I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it gets to a point where, you know, a, a lot of people, and I, I'll, I'll speak to myself about uh, my experience performing is I've made the joke that a lot of times comedians are paid in cheeseburgers and encouragement. Uh, that's pretty much everyone in the entertainment industry, sadly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't want to speak for anybody else, but. Oh, I, I'm like, wait, you get paid in cheeseburgers? Man, I've I've only gotten a ham sandwich. <laughs> So along those lines, have you found yourself, uh, you know, throughout your career having to prove you can do it, doing it, and then, hey, you want me to do this again? Uh, can you Absolutely. speak a little bit to that to that progression, to that track? It's not even about proving to other people and, and to my peers that I can do it. It's also proving to myself. I feel like in this industry <sighs> specifically we suffer immensely from imposter syndrome of not feeling talented enough, not feeling good enough, not feeling pretty enough, not feeling, you know, this industry is a, is an industry of rejection. You're rejected, you know, a hundred times before you get that one yes for a role. So you have to be able to take it. And like you said earlier, sometimes just showing up and being pleasant to work with and showing them that you're good at your job and you can do the job. That's all that needs to be done. You know, there's so many roles that I've gotten with voiceover through studios that are because the studio people enjoy working with me in a booth and they'll, they'll specifically send me the auditions or our contact me and saying, hey, we have a role that you'd be great for. Are you available to stay? And it's because they enjoy working with me in it. But, but it didn't start like that. I put in the work. Like I did work with them for like eight years before I got to the level where they could just like contact me and go, hey, we know you can do this voice. Come in on Tuesday. Nice. And that's that rarely happens by the way i wish that would happen a lot but it it does it you know i come from a musical theater background and Mm -hmm. in theater with people and when you're like say you get cast in a show and you're all there and you're doing the rehearsal process like you have to form a a bond of trust with your castmates because you have to be able to trust that if something goes wrong if set falls down you forget your lines they forget theirs like someone else is going to pick up the slack and and hold everyone up until everyone can come together and help lift it again so i really believe that um it it really is just about showing up being pleasant to work with get the job done and you know burnham she's trying Uh, i I wouldn't call her pleasant in these first few episodes (laughs) honestly i was like wow i don't think i don't think she and i would have anything in common to talk about but you know it's it's more about she's proving to herself she's proving to them and to herself that she deserves to be there. And in this, in the entertainment industry, I have to constantly prove that I deserve to be here in in this Mm. space. Um, You know, I'll do a gig with people who are way more, you know, well-known or popular than me. And I have to pretend like I'm not peeing my pants, you know, around them because I want them to see me as a peer and not as like a crazy fangirl that gets to work on a project with them. So it, it's it's constantly trying to prove to myself that, I, no, Bonnie, you deserve to be here. You've put in the work. You've, you know, you're good enough. You're smart enough. And doggone it, people like you. Yes. That, whole, that whole SNL sketch of just. I've used that clip in shows before. Absolutely. A <laughs> lot a of my, one. a lot of my self-confidence. Comes from um, Stuart Smalley. Is a comp, it's an optical illusion. <laughs> Well, yeah. And, you know, one one thing, uh, you know, performers have to uh, make those uh, concessions to or make those, uh, you know, make sure that they shine in front of is the boss. And here, Burnham, when she finally gets in front of Lorca, 
we see her uh, be introduced to the spore drive and what we're actually doing. And it's revealed that Lorca orchestrated her arriving on discovery. Mm-hmm. So we're all, we're already, we're seeing him pulling strings. Uh, he is the man behind the curtain as it were. And uh, he's and not orchest- a real wizard at all. Uh, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, in terms of producing, uh, or excuse me, in terms of performance artists, uh, you know, again, myself coming from comedy, uh, you know, the booker, whoever's producing the show, the club owner, mm-hmm. those are kind of like, hey, nice to meet you. Hey, I brought muffins for everyone <laughs> or or something to, you know, endear uh, yourself or, you know, in my case, endear myself to them. Uh, in addition to my work, because I, gosh, I'm so glad you mentioned imposter syndrome. I've suffered from mm-hmm. that every well, day about, of my life. It's going to be one of my songs on my album. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, and yeah. And we're going to discuss that at length as well. Uh, but yeah, you know, the imposter syndrome, I feel like when I go to a club is just kind of, oh man, they could have any comedian up there, but it's me. So I got to, if my stuff's not up to snuff, I got to compensate with being super nice uh, and super polite and, you know, and, and all of, and all of the things, Um, you know, you, I feel like the brothers uh, on, on Prodigy really, you know, judging by some of the posts I've seen on social media might be some of the best bosses to work for ever. Absolutely. Absolutely. They are incredible. Uh, and they also, um, you know, when I first came on doing Scratch and because I, I auditioned for Gwen initially and I got very far in the audition process. Um, and, you know, they were very adamant about like, we know how much this project means to you. We will find a role for you. And they kept sending me, you know, what about this? What about that? And then finally, it just fit with the ship computer and, and moving forward with that role. But that just goes to show that, you know, I was just excited to be there. And I was like, well, I guess if I don't get to work on this project or if I don't actually get to be in it and just be on the sidelines watching things happen, that should be good enough. You know, of course I was disappointed that I, you know, I didn't get the part of Gwen and I was like, oh, well, but the Hagemans, it just shows that, you know, I put in the work. I, I made sure I showed up and enthusiastically, maybe too enthusiastically, but also <laughs> I, you know, I wanted to show them that I cared about this project and that I was there not just because it was a you know not because that they were paying me to be there but because i wanted to be there and i think that really did come through um with my excitement and eagerness to be a part of something so grand and they you know they were like we will you know you've basically stowed away on the ship we will find a part for you so that's just a testament to them of how wonderful they are that they kind of went out of their way to make sure that i would be included in prodigy as part of the actual show. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, when you look at a project like this, uh, you know, uh, there's always so many hands involved. And as we do every week, we always take a look at those folks and we always ask the the question very lovingly, who do we blame? Mm-hmm. So the story was written by Brian Fuller, uh, Gretchen J. Berg and Aaron Harberts, uh, all of whom 
uh, last worked on season one, episode two, Battle of the Binary Stars, which we discussed last week with former green girl Menina Fortunato on episode 88. Uh, the teleplay was also done by Bergen Harberts, along with Craig Sweeney, whose first credit was 21 episodes of Dark Angel from 2001 to 2002 uh, as an assistant to the producers. Everybody's got to start somewhere. And uh, his first writing credit was two episodes of Playmakers in 2003. Then he would go on to do 18 episodes of the 4400, 22 episodes of Medium. Uh, he also developed the short-lived series Limitless, available now on Paramount+, Plus, based on the 2011 movie starring Bradley Cooper and Robert De Niro, based on Alan Glenn's novel The Dark Fields from 2001. And this is his only writing on the series, but not the last episode he worked on, so we will see him again in the future. This episode was directed by Akiva Goldsman, whose last episode was season one, episode one, the pilot episode, The Vulcan Hello, which we discussed with Shuttle Pods producers Erica LaRose and Mark Cartier on episode 87. And then for the guest stars, we've got Rika Sharma as Commander Ellen Landry. Uh, Rika started her career off with a bang in 2001, doing episodes of Los Luchadores, uh, The Lone Gunman. The Outer Limits, Cold Squad, Mysterious Ways, and three episodes of Dark Angel. Not a bad way to start the resume. Uh, then she would do The Core in 2003, uh, which stars Aaron Eckhart, Hilary Swank, and Star Trek alum Bruce Greenwood. Uh, 16 episodes of John Doe in 2002. Seven episodes of Smallville. Uh, she would make an appearance as Nurse Helen in Alien vs. Predator Requiem. She did 32 episodes of Battlestar Galactica, which we discussed with actor and comedian Christina Rose Yossi back on episode 57. She did eight episodes of V from 2009 to 2011, one episode of Arrow, and one episode of the fan series Star Trek Continues in 2013. So, Bonnie, uh, as we do every week, uh, we always ask the question, is this essential viewing? If somebody is sitting down and watching Star Trek for the very first time and they come to this episode, oddly, the, the third episode of Discovery, <laughs> hopefully they watch the first two. But anyways, if they come to this episode, is this one that they have to watch or can they skip this one? I mean, I feel like it it introduces so many characters that are that we follow it's the first time we meet a lot of these incredible characters that yeah. I feel like it's, it's very important. I feel like it lays the groundwork of the relationship Burnham has with these people. And then you get to see it grow as the show develops and as the show, as they grow around each other and, and learn to trust one another. So I feel like it's very important. Uh, it's an important episode to watch. I would, I go back and rewatch it per se, not so much, you know, for me, a lot of the, episodes of discovery that stand out to me are the ones that have like a lot of heart and yeah. um and things like that and this one does have that but also it's very like you know actiony with like the creature and this and that. you know for me i'm just like uh i i don't need to see i don't need to see a whole dead crew again and all that you know i'm like i'm good i was i remember that part it's fine yeah <laughs> but it does it does lay down the a lot of the base work of where the show goes and how Burnham gets to Discovery. And and I feel like it's an important episode to watch and to get those that basically the groundwork of of how the show starts and these how these characters 
initially react to her so you can see it grow over time yeah absolutely uh yeah mm -hmm. you're absolutely right i uh you know and i've spoken a couple times about how because discovery is the first official serialized star trek uh you know D deep space nine had some stuff enterprise was uh had some serialization there in season three mm -hmm. but this is from the word go serialized it is a water cooler show like you can't really miss an episode and i you're absolutely right this is you know after the two episode what feels like a pilot movie um this is chapter one and mm -hmm. we're meeting Lorca we're leading we're meeting Stamets we're meeting Tilly I mean we're meeting a bunch of people but like those three are going to play big big roles in Burnham's journey of rediscovery uh so yeah I I would absolutely uh, I would absolutely <laughs> agree that this is definitely essential viewing so uh Bonnie again thank you thank you thank you so much for carving out the time do you have any parting thoughts before we start to wrap up anything about the episode discovery as a whole um the the franchise as a whole your work in the franchise uh your experience on this podcast anything before <laughs> we wrap up <laughs> i'm just so excited that we're getting new star trek you know as yes. someone who enjoys star trek and got into it later uh as an adult and didn't grow up with it you know i felt kind of cheated that that i didn't get that that feeling of discovering something new um as a you know as a kid like watching you know episodes with my family or, or this and that like you know i watched it all pretty much all alone reruns on netflix type of thing right, um, right. and that's how i kind of discovered star trek and became a trekkie so the fact that i'm getting to watch new star trek with with other trekkies and other sci-fi fans and we're watching it all together and i'm watching it as it comes out like not this isn't something that's been around forever i'm discovering it with so many people and we can discuss it and and get that excitement going and talk about it in real time. I feel like that's what is so cool. And I just, yeah. I mean, look, what a, what a time to be alive. What a time to be a nerd. Look at yeah. all the amazing <laughs> content we have and all the new Star Trek that's coming out. And there's so much more to come. And I hope they just keep making it because honestly, Star Trek is just, it's not just Star Trek. It's, it's good sci-fi and it's good storytelling. And it's what yeah. we should all be trying, trying to strive for with our future uh in society so i feel like there's just so many places it can go yes yes absolutely right couldn't have said it better myself well folks he read 600 star trek comics so you wouldn't have to next week we will be joined by historian and author of star trek a comics history alan j porter to discuss discovery season one episode four the butcher's knife cares not for the lamb's cry which is available exclusively on paramount plus tune in to see just how many Silence of the Lambs references I make. Bonnie, where can people either see you uh, perform live or catch some of your performances uh, out there on the interwebs? Well, uh, you can find me easily if you just search Bonnie Gordon or at Bonnie Bell G. That's B-O-N-N-I-E-B-E-L-L-G. Uh, you can find me everywhere on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. I'm on the Tiki Talkies, uh, Facebook. I mean, I, and I post up on YouTube. I'm, I have a Patreon as well. If you want to follow me on there and get some exclusive, um, things uh, with my music that are not uh, posted publicly yet. And yeah, I'm, I'm super easy to find. I'm very Googleable. Is if that's a word it is now <laughs> I'm, I'm very easy to find. And I have, um, I will be posting my con schedule very soon. 
I starting in March, I will be going to all different conventions all over the country. So keep an eye out for that. If I'm not anywhere near you locally, or if you're not local to Southern California, I might be coming to you. So again, keep an eye on my social media. I'll be posting that, or it might already be posted by the time this episode comes out. Uh, <laughs> We're in the future. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, keep an eye out on my social media as well for my solo album, Con Artist. It will be coming out sometime in February, if all goes to plan. I'm very excited about it. And not only am I super excited about it, uh, there's a Star Trek song on it. So now you have to get it. Ha ha. Yeah. It's relevant. It's relevant to your interests. <laughs> And I am at Mr. Todd A. Davis on all of the socials. From all of us at the Computer Resume Podcast, thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you in 10 forward. on Patreon and like, rate, review, and share on all your favorite platforms. Feel free to send us your subspace transmissions to computerresumepodcasts at gmail.com or at Computer Resume on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. The Computer Resume Podcast was created and produced by Mr. Todd A. Davis. Our logo was designed by Will Martin and Justin Bishop. The opening theme was produced by Justin Bishop, and our outro music was provided with permission by Dronode. Additional music was provided by Mr. Todd A. Davis and Gary Horn, and the voice of Computer Resume Podcast and executive producer, me, Kat Davis. Hashtag LLAP. We'll see you next time. Going through a Star Trek. We're doing Star Trek stuff in space. We probably got some phasers and shuttle pods, and we're gonna find a brand new race. How's that for a slice of fried gold? Uh. Mm, e- or-